You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. It's five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3CR, and this is a Friday Raid. Well, here we are sitting in the thumping pig in the rumour for this week's Friday Rave, which is Radiothon Week. Now, first of all, I've got to say sorry about missing last week, folks, but there I was, minding my own business, just south of Sydney, getting the show together, when a couple of young blokes in uniforms come up to have a bit of a yarn and a look about, before, I guess what I can say, suggesting quite strongly that I go back to their place with them for a bit more of a yarn. Now, believe me, I tried to politely demure, telling them I had stuff to do and all that, and promising to stop by later if they really wanted a chat. But they were quite insistent, and they even offered me a lift to their office in a specially designed car that they keep to give rides to people they want to have a yarn to. I felt I couldn't really refuse. So away I went back to their place where they sought my opinion on recollections, I guess, on life, the universe and everything and provided me with a nice little room to chill in, and not an altogether bad sandwich for lunch, I've got to say. Well, they sat around and organised some details, like when they and their colleagues might want to talk to me again in what they call, I don't know, a more formal setting, and some paperwork for me to sign and say, yeah, of course I'll be there. And I will. By the time I was back in the thumping pig, it was all too late. So starting this week, it being Radiothon and all, I promised to think of this show as something of a Thursday rave and get the file up to the 3CR computer a day early to avoid all the possibilities. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done by law, 6pm Tuesdays. But yes, it's Radiothon. And yeah, I know that you're all doing it hard, we're all doing it hard, folks. But 3CR this year needs the cash. It's been 45 years we've been on air. Longer than some of you have been alive, I guess. But um, with last year's lockdown and this current lockdown, it's harder than ever to get people to donate. Ironically, because it's lockdown, people are staying home more and it seems like people are actually listening to the radio station more But also because it's locked down and because of a lot of our listenership, I know a lot of my listenership, you guys, are in precarious employment, we have less cash. And so believe me, it's hard to, um, yeah, it's hard to sit here and um, in the cold bus in the rumour and ask you for money, but that's what I'm doing. 
you know, normally I'd sit down in the studio taking calls and pledges, having people in, getting chats and all that, but it can't happen this year. I know I've said it, but it's an important one. To, instead of being badgered incessantly, you should just call the studio on 9419 or get online to 3cr.org.au and hit the big, bright, donate picture. And just to give you an idea of how your cash is used, 50 bucks subsidises one programmer's training, while 100 will pay for your favourite show, maybe even, but not necessarily, this one. Did you know that you can pledge your support to 3CR Radiothon now and pay up later? Call the station during business hours on 9419 8377 and tell us what you'd like to donate and then pay your donation later. How long before people start dropping the faux outrage over Australian soldiers committing war crimes overseas? Revelations have now come about about more soldiers killing unarmed Afghan civilians, 13 of them, and the youngest just aged 13. Abdul Salim, his name was. I don't know the names of the other 12 blokes. It looks like the soldier involved in the killings was the same soldier who's been referred to as Soldier C, who earlier, you know, earlier leaks had shown gunning down unarmed civilian who was cowering and trying to fend off an assault by an SAS dog. And by dog, I mean an actual dog. I'm not trying to denigrate the soldiers, or dogs for that matter. Now, when you say, I'm not, when I say he's known as Soldier C, it makes you wonder what soldiers A and B have been up to that we haven't heard about yet. Now, all this is happening in Afghanistan, and nothing has yet been revealed about atrocities in any other theatre of war that Australia is involved in. Remember back in 2009, when an East Timorese rebel, Alfredo Renato, he accused Australian troops of breaking the necks of two wounded men and shooting unarmed civilians. He said they treat us like we are animals or the enemy. At the time, these allegations were dismissed out of hand. But then, as we now know, the Australian government was treating East Timor like the enemy. Well, at least that's what, you know, bugging cabinet rooms is to me. Not really how you treat a friend in my book. But now that the world knows that the Australian military has a, let's call it a cavalier attitude towards murder, what do you reckon the chances are of these 2009 allegations being properly investigated? Again, to put him in the context of the Australian government's treatment of East Timor in the early 21st century, just a dozen or so years ago, it would seem more likely that any soldier coming clean about what happened would be subject to the same treatment as Witness K, the ASIS officer who blew the lid on the bucking operation. Or what about Iraq, where Amnesty International accuses Australia of war crimes in the attacks on Mosul in 2017, where up to 13,000 people died? I mean, it happens everywhere. Or Jim, you know, Senator Jim Mullen, who organised logistics for the Battle of Fallujah, which has been roundly condemned as a war crime. As a logistic commander... He was personally responsible for cutting off water, food and electricity supplies to up to 50,000 people during a bombing raid and then attacking a hospital. His punishment? Coming home to a hero's welcome and given a job of, you know, Operation Sovereign Borders, 
which has also been condemned as a breach of international humanitarian law. After that, well, we elected to print. These latest allegations, though, are not really news. What is news is that they've been reported on and commented on. But really, Australians have always had a reputation for brutality in war, haven't they? How far do you want to go back? Vietnam, where Australian troops are accused of killing prisoners in cold blood and raping villages? Indonesia, where Australia supported Sahado's massacres in the 60s. The Malaysian insurgency, just being there was a war crime. Countless stories of Australian troops murdering people in World War II. World War I, where an Australian soldier called throwing a bomb into a cellar full of German prisoners a lark. The Light Horse Brigade in Palestine, indiscriminate death. Break of friggin' Marant back in the Boer War, how far do you want to go back? Australian soldiers have always been guilty of war crimes. And yeah, I know the same could probably said for soldiers of most countries. But soldiers of other countries are not murdering in your or my name and aren't being honoured by politicians speaking in your name and mine. And when you look at these crimes that took place, at least since World War II, there have been wars that Australia has fought in purely to benefit Australian economic interests. I think the, you know, the term war crime something of a tautology. War is the crime. And there is no war that is not criminal. And it's not only a crime against those who are murdered, those left behind, those who are raped, mutilated, tortured, and their families, though of course they bear the first and most brutal and bloody assault of all the downstream victims. And by downstream victims, I mean whole populations whose resources we steal. That's the real reason for the wars we're involved in, after all, stealing resources from the poorest on the planet so that after we give 99% of what we plunder to our dozen richest families, we can live in relative comfort while they can't afford to eat. Remember, this last lot of atrocities, of murders, was perpetrated on villagers collecting their onion harvest, subsistence farmers, the poorest of the poor. Though it's obviously a crime against them. It's a crime against everyone, even on the home front. It's not just a crime against the troops sent to fight, who come back understandably fucked in the head, who constitute about 10% of Melbourne's homeless population. It's not even only a crime against their families of domestic violence and child abuse. Rampant among PTSD sufferers, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, or against the poor or blackfellas, with so many stressed-out, head-fucked ex-soldiers taking up jobs in police forces as security consultants, or against immigrants to Australia who suffer the racism made endemic by the constant news of foreign terrorists, or even just a crime against you and I, who have to put up with services closing and the basic amenities of a pluralist Western society, which used to be axiomatic, but which we can now no longer afford to maintain while we spend billions and billions on waging war so that we can make billions and billions plus one dollar in profit that doesn't come back to us, that goes to the wealthy. It's not even just a crime against the victims of terrorism, 
the terrorism that our governments tell us is the reason we're over there fighting to start with, as our actions over there do absolutely nothing more efficiently than create the climate for people to become terrorists and extract revenge. Not on the soldiers, not on the government, not on the rich, but on whoever they can see represents Australia, America, the West and its interests. It's a crime against everyone. It's a crime against humanity. Nothing less. What can you do? At every step, at every stage, our economy is based on preparing for war. Our economy needs war, or at least it needs to maintain a constant war footing to keep the resources flowing to those who already have so much that if there were any justice in this world, they would choke on their excess. And it needs to maintain a level of fear in the community, not just over there, but over here as well, with the securitisation of our society, with coppers and soldiers being honoured and, and, you know, the police looking like Rambo cops on the streets, robo cops at least on the street, to stop us questioning, to stop us changing it. We need war every step of the way. Western capitalism depends on war. You can't argue against that. And war depends on what we've been calling war crimes. It depended, as I listed earlier, ever since, on Breaker Morant killing prisoners after he was ordered to take no prisoners. It depends, you know, on Australian soldiers now acting with such brutality that sane people in Afghanistan are too afraid to resist any excess of Australian soldiers' requests or debaucheries, while the less sane, those driven mad by seeing their families killed, those being mad by having their villages destroyed, family members raped and tortured, those mad by all these excesses, all these crimes, the less sane to wage an unwilling, unwinnable resistance to justify our presence there and keep us spending billions on weapons platforms so that we can steal their resources. Not just their oil and the gas, though they're important, but their opium, their onions, their almonds. Our whole way of life depends on war. Our whole way of living depends on people being murdered by Australian troops. So don't act surprised. And for Christ's sake, spare me the foe outrage. This is what we've become. This is what we are. And what do we do about it? Well, for a start, admit it. Because until we do, there ain't nothing going to change. Donate to 3CR's Radiothon. Call now, 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Yeah, it's Radiothon time, people, and you heard the man. Donate now, call 94198377. Because, you know, it's been a tough couple of years with the lockdown laws and all that, and everyone's doing it tough. And we know 
that there's a lot of calls on your cash for those of you who have still got full-time jobs and all the rest of it, but it's more important than ever in these times that we keep 3CR Community Radio, the community's voice, on the air. So go to 3cr.org.au, hit the donate button, or call us on 94198377, or come into the studio and say hello, 21 Smith Street, beautiful downtown Collingwood. Anyway, whichever way you're going to do it, we need some bucks, we're only in it for the money, that listen to all this social justice community interest crap, we're in it for the money and we need yours 94198377 Now, many of you know that I've had some issues over time with the Andrews government down there in Victoria I haven't, you know ever been anywhere where I haven't had some issues with the government at the time, regardless of its flavour now, most recently in Victoria, I've done a few shows drawing attention to the draconian provisions of the Andrew government's responses to the COVID pandemic using the Public Health Act. I've been through them many times on a Friday rave. Nonetheless, I've also objected to the use of the term dictator Dan by elements of the right. For whatever your beef with the lockdown laws, and you should have plenty, or even if you're concerned with this toadying courting of the Israeli government financiers, or his attempt to build Victoria on a base of arms manufacturing, Andrew still has quite a long way to go before he, you know, before he earns the moniker of Dictator Dan. But up here in New South Wales, mind you, and there are a few of us wondering just how far we need to go before you can start calling a government outright, blatantly and proudly fascist. Back in 2017, New South Wales Police Commissioner Mick Fuller, you know, the same creep that tried to introduce the consent app a few months back, was joined by then New South Wales Police Minister Troy Grant. Now, Troy was also Deputy Premier and Leader of the New South Wales Nationals, and I say that because it'll become relevant in a minute. Anyway, they got together to launch a new police unit called the Fixated Persons Investigation Unit. Now, let me just quote from both Commissioner Mick Fuller and Minister Troy Grant at the launch of the unit back in 2017. Uh, New South Wales Police Minister Troy Grant said that the unit would complement existing abilities within the Counter-Terrorism and Special Tactics Command to identify and disrupt criminal activity while ensuring the community has an additional avenue for seeking assistance if they hold concerns for a particular individual. You know, while Mick the Commish, he said, amongst a whole heap of other bullshit, that it was, and I quote, unique step forward in modern policing. In recent times, he said, we've dealt with a number of people who aren't classified as terrorists, but are so obsessed about issues, ideals or individuals, they are plotting acts of violence. The Fixated Persons Investigation Unit will identify and disrupt those threats. Now we went on to say that it's about adding another layer of protection for the community and in many cases protecting the individuals from themselves. 
People so driven by religious, political, ideological or mental health issues that they threaten others is an emerging crime issue for law enforcement across the globe, he said. The creation of this unit forms part of the re-engineering process for the New South Wales Police Force moving forward. So basically, the whole reason for the unit's existence is an early warning about potential acts of terrorism. You know, and giving the community uh, another unit to go to if they're concerned about individuals to protect them from themselves. So, who did this new unit, the fixated persons investigates and unit, arrest last week in a morning raid in Dulles Hill of a young 21-year-old bloke, knocking down his mother, planting his face in the cement driveway and cuffing him as if he was a potential terrorist, fighting his family for his mobile phone, arguing with his mother in their front yard. Was it a terrorist? Someone with the potential to progress his fixation to an act of terrorism even? Did they what? They arrested a young bloke named Christo Lanker for the crime of two counts of stalking the current leader of the New South Wales Nationals and Deputy Premier, John Barillaro. Now, I've seen the videos of both instances of what they call stalking, and really, it was nothing. It was much less than any activist would do to a politician who was responsible for the kind of absolute, bloody obvious corruption, destructive policies, which Barillaro most definitely is, without any question. But Christo isn't even an activist in the strict sense. He's a producer for a YouTube video blogger. You may have heard of Friendly Geordies. Well, Christo is his producer. And Deputy Premier John Barillaro is currently suing Friendly Geordies, that's Jordan Shanks, for calling him, amongst other things, a stupid fat idiot. A view that, just by the way, I'm in total agreement with. I'm not in total agreement with everything Friendly Geordie says, but I'm in agreement with that. Now, we've got Dutton suing an activist over being called a rape apologist, and the court, by the way, just this week, ordered him to attend mediation. Uh, Christian Porter suing the ABC for reporting the news, but then dropping the suit, but, you know, chest-thumping suing the ABC. And we've got John Barillaro suing Jordan Shanks, as if that wasn't sick enough. Politicians sue an activist, journalist, comedians and a national broadcaster for what has until now been seen as a robust reporting, I guess at best or worst, depending on your point of view, to federal police raiding journalists. You know, you all remember that, of course. Now we have dickhead politicians getting a special unit of the police force that was set up on their predecessor's watch to arrest a... 21-year-old bloke, out of his family home, knocking down his mother, in front of his family, fighting his family for the phone. There is got this special unit to arrest him for the crime of approaching him twice in public. Was he in fear? Of course not. In New South Wales, to be done for stalking, you need to show that you were in fear. How the hell is this Deputy Premier, surrounded by goons, in fear, from a producer. As I said, I've seen the video of both the instances referred to on the arrest warrant. 
and there is no nothing. There's nothing to it. It's nothing that I or you haven't done a hundred times to politicians. It's getting dark, folks. It's getting mighty dark. But just in case you were misled by my opening remarks into thinking this is just a New South Wales phenomena, it may surprise you to learn that Victoria launched a similar police project the same year. The difference is they haven't used it for political reasons that we're aware of yet. Victoria's is called the Fixated Threat Assessment Centre. Of course, the unit will never be used to target comics and journos. It's to keep Victoria safe. As Police Minister Lisa Neville said at the time, Victoria hasn't been immune to the lone offender attacks we are seeing across the world, and we're responding by putting the protection of the community first. The centre will target high-risk people in the community who may pose a serious threat to Victorians, including those who hold a fixated grievance and violent extremists. We're working closely with the Victoria Police to give them the tools and resources they need to prevent terrorist attacks and keep the community safe. You know, that's almost exactly what they said about the new unit in New South. This centre, of course, wasn't the only increase in police powers in Victoria that year, or New South Wales, with so-called non-lethal weapons, along with assault rifles being issued to coppers, and a long list of anti-terror laws. And all these measures, strangely enough, came about in Victoria, New South Wales, the ACT, Queensland. Not long after, the US's FBI did a tour of Australian police forces, tell them what needs to be done. And then you have all these fixated persons units. Now, it sounds like an American TV show. Bloody thing, doesn't it? The fixated persons unit. All set up within a few months of each other after a tour of the FBI talking to police officers, to police forces around the country. And then, of course, remember also last year, the launch of the new police air wing which was also aimed at keeping Victorians safe. I guess, you know, in the press conference for that one, remember they used 3CR studios at 21 Smith Street as an example of where their new surveillance choppers would be well surveilling. As I said, be careful out there, folks. And, you know, you've got to do something. As Van Morrison said, Stop pitching, do something. Van Morrison, one of Van Morrison's latest efforts of his No More Lockdown LP, which has been getting a lot of flack from a lot of places, but I'm liking a lot of what he says. But one of the things you can do is get online to www.3cr.org.au and contribute to the Radiothon to keep 3CR on the air. This has been me. Jacob from the Thumpin' Pig, right now parked in Sydney. God knows where I'll be next Friday, but wherever it is, I'll talk to you from there. And check out Facebook, Instagram and Twitter for a Friday rave. Take it easy, but take it. Are you wondering how you can pledge your support for a 3CR radio program during Radiothon? It's easy. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit our website at 3cr.org.au. 
Or you can even come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post us your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277, that's P.O. Box 1277, in Collingwood, 3066. And thank you for being part of 3CR's annual Radiothon. Stop bitching, do something. Stop bitching, do something. 